Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Supreme Court, nothing personal. Word of the day, September 21st, 2021. It's a Tuesday. Word of the day, Supreme Court. Don't pause or put me on 2X today with this topic. Prove COCA wrong. Allow us to discuss an issue that matters, that everyone's afraid to talk about. Oh, my God, you're in sports media. You can't talk about Roe v. Wade or the Supreme Court. Click, click, undownload, stop, unfollow, relax, Coca. Let's take the ratings out for a walk here today. I want to talk about what's going on in Mississippi, not because I want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you what's happening and have you decide what to think on an issue that is not as simple as people are saying. The Supreme Court, in a case called Roe v. Wade, made abortion legal in every state. The way the Supreme Court works is that when they say something is legal, that means every state has to follow it. If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, that doesn't mean abortion has become illegal. It means that the right to decide whether abortion is legal reverts back to each individual state. So 50 different states can have legislation. 50 different states can have different laws about abortion. You can do it after six weeks, but not after 10 weeks. You can do it after 10 weeks, but not after four weeks. You can do it whenever you want. You can never do it. If there is no federal law making abortion legal, what that means is each state gets to decide what it wants to do through its legislature, and its legislature is made up of people you vote into the legislature. People were concerned, very concerned, last month when Texas passed a law that many viewed as unconstitutional. That was the beginning of the Roe v. Wade, I guess you could say the eradication of Roe v. Wade and the rights granted therein. The Supreme Court would not hear the case. They actually allowed the law to continue in Texas. But several of the justices, including one of the conservatives, the Chief Justice Roberts, said, we are not today ruling on the merits of the law. We are ruling on the procedural issue before us. Don't read into it. Justice Sotomayor said, no, you better read into this. This is an outrage that we are now beginning to get rid of the right of women to get abortions and to end pregnancies. 
Well, Mississippi, don't worry, they're not clicking off Coca. Mississippi has a law, no abortion after 15 weeks, and the Supreme Court is going to hear the case next December. This December, I guess we're in October, two months from now. The Supreme Court is going to rule next June, and this could be the ruling. Right now, there are six conservative justices on the Supreme Court, nine total. You wonder why there's so much talk about who gets to put in a Supreme Court justice. Is it a Republican president, a Democratic president? Why is it so important to control Capitol Hill? Because every once in a while, cases come before the Supreme Court where precedent is up for grabs. Something that had always existed now may cease to exist and people are losing their minds on both sides of the debate. The excitement, we are going to stop abortion. The fear, oh my God, abortion is going to become illegal. The fact is, if Roe v. Wade becomes overturned, the power goes back to the states. I do have a question to ask of all of you. If you're on the right side, the red side, I don't mean right versus wrong. I mean right versus left, and I mean red versus blue. All this talk about abortion What I can't figure out, have you given thought to being pro-choice? Pro-choice is when you are not opining whether you are in favor of ending a pregnancy or not. You are simply saying, hey, it's your body. It's your body. Do what you want with your body. So many people on the right red side of the aisle say, nope, it's not my body. It's your body. But I'm going to tell you what to do with your body. But don't tell me what to do with my body. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to get vaccinated. Don't you tell me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. So you don't tell me what to do. Wait a minute. I am going to tell you what to do when it comes to abortion. But don't you tell me what to do when it comes to something else. That inconsistency interests me, to say the least. The argument that people say that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned and it goes to the states, we're going to be going back to a time with back alley wire hanger termination of pregnancies. It's going to be about money. Rich people will always be able to get abortions whenever they want, wherever they want, even in states where they're not legal. Poor people will not be able to access proper health care if they want to terminate pregnancies and they will be forced to do things that are not healthy at all. That could be the result if different states like Texas or Mississippi or any other red state in theory choose to change and take advantage of the fact that no longer is the right to end a pregnancy a federally granted right. Well, as you can imagine, this situation in Mississippi is creating a lot of attention. When the Supreme Court hears a case You can file just you can be an ordinary person and you can actually file what's called an amicus brief friend of the court. I'm a friend of this court and I want to tell you where my head is. Well, that's nice. Thank you. The Supreme Court does not take into an account take into an account. That's really not English. Wipe that coca. Four, six, nine. The United States Supreme Court rarely, if ever, takes into account amicus briefs. It's good for PR for those who write it. They get to say what their point of view is. I've never been a big fan in terms of their legal 
wait, but I certainly enjoy reading them to see who's where, when, why, and how. Well, yesterday word came out that many, many athletes, women athletes, athletic organizations filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court because they wanted to make it very clear, very clear that their view as women athletes, they've got to have the right to decide what to do with their body because that's how they make a living. And if you don't let me control my reproductive timeline, then I am in danger of not being able to make proper decisions as it relates to my life. I found that interesting because if men would say that, this the response would be, well, it's you're an athlete. If you get someone pregnant when you're in high school or pregnant when you're a college athlete, you can have five kids with five women be it a seventh year senior at a top college program and all is a okay. If you're a top college athlete and you're a woman and you've been impregnated five times, you're probably going to be called names and you're probably not going to be on a team. Not sure that's exactly fair, is it? Not to me. I don't see why women and men wouldn't have the same control over their destinies, over their bodies. I can tell you one thing, if I had the ability to be pregnant, and the tide was turned and I went in the middle of training for seven marathons in seven days, didn't want a baby. I don't want someone telling me what to do. That doesn't mean that I would terminate the pregnancy. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. My whole point has always been live and let live. And ironically, that doesn't mean that I believe that a Embryo is life. In my life, I've had many miscarriages. I haven't had any. I've been a part of many miscarriages that are incredibly sad and difficult to deal with. I've had to deal with all sorts of reproductive issues. And I kept thinking that when you're involved in those, does it change what your view is of life? Does life start the minute you hear the first heartbeat? because you think that's it, now it's gonna work, and then you have a miscarriage, it didn't work. Does life start the minute you hear the first cry when the baby is born? I absolutely understand those who think life starts at conception, those who think life starts at birth, those who think life starts at puberty, those who think life starts in college. And I have never once tried to convince anyone that their point of view is wrong. I have just tried to convince people that it is absolutely unacceptable to tell other people what to think or what to do. And the argument given back to me by certain people on the right side, and I don't mean the correct side necessarily, on the right side is who's protecting the interests of the unborn child? I get you. But I also have told you that I am a John Stuart Mill utilitarian, the greater good. Sometimes choices have to be made that do not accrue to the benefit of everybody, but they are required to be made to accrue to the benefit of a greater number of people. It becomes like a math equation. I don't want you to look at what's happening in Mississippi and what's happening with these women athletes. I would prefer you not to look at Megan Rapino, who's a part of this. 
Sue Bird. And to make a face and roll your eyes and say, of course, that's who it is. It's loud, vigilant women trying to make noise and get attention. I wish that there were men filing the amicus brief with them. Certainly athletic organizations are a part of it that have men as part of these athletic organizations. I'm totally fine that it is all of these group of women athletes. Their point is pretty interesting, which is interesting to me, that abortion rights that have existed since Roe v. Wade have actually helped grow women's sports. And that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, the future of women's sports is in doubt. And so their angle, when we're talking about equal pay, equal rights, gender equality in general, what an absolutely fascinating point of view to say that abortion pro-choice is all part of gender equality. And it's what I said about the college athlete. Hey, you got five kids, way to go. Go play cornerback, have fun. Oh, you have, you're on the volleyball team, you're on the soccer team and you're pregnant again? Sorry, you can't play. And so what these athletes were trying to do in filing this brief was to have the Supreme Court look at women and athletics as part of their decision-making process. What I think they've missed here is that when the Supreme Court is examining this law, they know very well that by allowing Mississippi to make it a law that no pregnancy can be terminated after 15 weeks, that they are overturning exactly the holding of Roe v. Wade. It will not be about women athletes. It will not be about anything other than whether or not the conservative justices who have been named to the Supreme Court, who have been rather public in what their view is of Roe v. Wade. Well, now the rubber's hitting the road. We are finally going to have a decision. Do I fear for what happens next June if Roe v. Wade is overturned? I don't need to wait to see that. I think that while it's a 6-3 conservative majority on the court, I think it will end up being a 5-4 decision where I do not believe the Mississippi law will be allowed to continue, will be ruled unconstitutional. Roe v. Wade will not be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. These Supreme Court justices got on the bench. They're on the bench. And I think what you may find is when it comes time to truly decide that they are going to be a little more cautious on what has been one of the great hot button topics for, I don't know, almost 50 years It's really a serious topic, but wait to see. Roe v. Wade will not be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. There is another case that interests me that is going on. It is a sports-related case. And the reason it interests me is we always report, and it's on Nothing Personal, it's on CBS Sports HQ, it's wherever you get your, your news when big deals are signed, big sponsorships. The Miami Marlins have signed a naming rights deal with Lone Depot Park. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Under Armour has signed a deal with UCLA to be a jersey sponsor. It's an all-encompassing marketing deal. Terms have not been disclosed. 
The Los Angeles Lakers have signed a five-year, $100 million jersey deal. And we read about it and we count the money. But here's what we don't talk about. What happens when a company goes to the Los Angeles Lakers and says, hey, we want to give you $100 million over five years. Under Armour goes to UCLA and says, hey, we want to give you $200 million over 20 years. We want our logo on your jersey, football, baseball, soccer. We're going to take over all of your sports. We're going to do shoes. We're going to do unis. We're going to cross-promote. You're going to cross-promote. We're going to have symbiotic, symbiotic relationship. Uh-oh. Our stock's in the crapa. Uh-oh, we have overextended ourselves. Oh, my God, we're going out of business. We've got to change the name of the ballpark. We've got to pull the deal. We've got to cancel the deal. We can't afford it anymore. That barely makes the news, doesn't it? Well, often sponsors make deals because they're all excited. Do you guys remember at the beginning of Marlins Park, Sir Pizza? was our pizza. I happen to love the pizza. We had a pizza test. I liked it better than Papa John's, better than uh, the thing with uh, uh, Domino's. And I wanted like a good pizza that you could, I, I wanted a New York pizza, but in order to really make a lot of pizza, it has to be bad. And uh, also Sir Pizza was willing to give us a lot of money and that they were a new company. And before you know it, they weren't paying their bills. And we, were, we had Papa John's in the ballpark and we had to write off the money. There was no way the Supreme Court was interested in our case, suing Sir Pizza to pay us back. But UCLA was not happy when Under Armour decided we can't afford this UCLA deal anymore. UCLA ended up doing another deal with Nike, but there's a big lawsuit involved. And the lawsuit basically says, when you say you're going to give us $200 million over 20 years, do it. Don't pretend that you're not getting your money's worth. Of course, you're not getting your money's worth. We never said you were going to get $200 million worth of greatness. Well, UCLA and Under Armour cut a deal once Under Armour said it was backing out. That UCLA was going to go get another deal, but until then, Under Armour would continue to provide uniforms. But what UCLA did is they covered up the Under Armour logo. Take a look at some of the UCLA shirts, unis, the coaches. They put patches right over the Under Armour logo. UCLA, during all of the COVID and social reckoning, Black Lives Matter, everything that was going on, put a patch in favor of social justice. Who's not in favor of that? If you're not in favor of social justice, whatever. That's a terrible word to put on a show. 61069. If you're not in favor of social justice, talk to the hand. So UCLA puts a patch on its jersey and says, guess what? We're in favor of social justice. Under Armour says, but why are you covering our logo? Put the patch somewhere else. Under Armour is now suing UCLA. UCLA is now suing Under Armour. It is a hugely messy divorce. And that is a word that was given in a question asked by one of you. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson.
Hello, Coca. So you want to talk to Samson? The question was very simple. Hi, David. Love the show. Came across this article and thought of nothing personal. Seems like a lot of sour grapes, but also a very business-oriented decision that many will see as personal. How would you handle a messy divorce with a sponsor? So you're asking me specifically about UCLA and Under Armour, but I would rather talk to you now that you know that situation. How do I handle messy divorces with a sponsor? And it is very, very business-oriented. It is difficult when you do business with companies owned by friends, because at the end of the day, you're trying to strike a relationship with the people who run the business who you're trying to get to sponsor your team. You believe that if there is a friendly relationship, that they will be more apt to spend their marketing dollars on your team versus another team. Sometimes it's an actual friend who gets into a business who you then say, can you help me get a marketing deal with this business? Hey, I work for Sir Pizza Sirhan. Sirhan, Sir Pizza. Can we get a deal? Hey, I'm helping you out with Lone Depot. We're doing a deal with MLB. Do you want to do a deal with the Marlins? And then all of a sudden, when money becomes an issue, for reasons having nothing to do with the sponsorship, and here's the best example I can give you. We did a deal with Pepsi at Marlins Park. They were a quadrant sponsor under the assumption that we would have a whole lot more people going through that ballpark and a whole lot more bottles of Pepsi being sold than what ended up being sold because our attendance was way lower than what we projected. Who would have thought that no one would go to games at the Orange Bowl site other than those of you who said we're not going to go to games at the Orange Bowl site, especially with you owning the team and with you as president or with Cheater as president. doesn't matter. We're not going. Pepsi had a deal. Pepsi was upset about their deal. And I said to Pepsi, sorry, there's nothing in the contract that we negotiated, that your lawyer signed, that you signed, that our lawyer looked at, that I signed, that guaranteed a level of attendance, that guaranteed a number of bottles sold, number of pizzas sold, another number of Powerade sold. It was aspirational. We showed you our budget. We sold you the fact that we thought we'd sell out because we were going to be good. And when it didn't, Pepsi would call and they'd say, hey, we're not really making the money we thought we'd make. And I'd say, neither are we. They'd say, we don't think we're going to renew at that level. And I'd say, are you sure? They'd say, are you going to start selling out? And I'd say, probably not. And they'd say, then we overpaid. And I'd say, so you did. And then there'd be an adjustment. And that would go on with every single sponsor. It's like when you buy something and you think there's a huge demand for it, so you pay more, then you get it. Then you realize, oh my God, everyone has it. And I can get it from anyone for a cheaper price. I don't need to spend $5 on one mask. Like in the beginning of COVID, I can go to the grocery store and get it on checkout, 100 100 masks for five bucks. Companies that were making a ton of money and did all these huge government deals to start making masks and making sanitizer and making paper because they were being paid to do it. Now we're doing something else. Business and revenue and expenses and profit all have a way of dictating what you're going to do. So when a sponsor is not getting its money worth for whatever reason, They expected more people, they expected more sales, or 
around the country, people are having and drinking fewer sugared Pepsis and Powerade is losing to Gatorade. Gatorade's Pepsi, by the way, Powerade's Coke. Is anyone paying attention? The question would be, if you're losing money in another area, can I then get out of a contract in yet another area? That's when the messy divorces happen. Under Armour did not leave UCLA because they were upset with UCLA, even though that's what they're saying in the legal briefs and in the lawsuits. Under Armour left UCLA because they made Under Armour made so many bets on different athletes, on different businesses, on shoes, on sponsorships, including one with MLB, that they went full Eddie the Eagle. They were completely over their skis. Kevin got planked and they had to start getting out of deals. When you call your lawyer and say, get me out of this deal, the lawyer reads the deal and they look for any possible opening they can have that would withstand the smile test in front of a judge. The smile test is what you may know as the summary judgment test. Summary judgment is when a judge or a court says, hey, sorry, folks, park's closed. There's no case here. There's nothing to see here. Get out. When you want to break up a contract, you try to get through that summary judgment by saying, no, but wait, I know we broke the contract, but look at the 10 reasons we had. Messy divorces happen when one side is unhappy and one side is desperate. The UCLA Under Armour situation is a huge case with huge implications. Because if you can allow sponsors to walk away for underperformance or for lack of performance in other areas of their business, then owners will not look at that revenue stream as guaranteed, and then that will impact their spending on payroll for the players you love to watch. So this is a case that is going to be well worth your time to pay attention to. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that one of you told me to watch. And it wasn't you, Coca, even though you told me to watch, but I totally forgot you told me to watch, but then someone else told me to watch it. So I actually did watch it. And then I'm going to review it. And then we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Woodley had a good game. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. How you doing? Thank you for making it through the gauntlet of the beginning of the show. I appreciate you. Let's check retention on this show. Are people still there? Hello? Anyone still out there? Anyone still enjoying the show? Well, we're going to review a movie that you told me to watch called Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. It's a movie that stars Mary Elizabeth Olsen and Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, who the movie's called Kate, folks. Everyone relax. And it's with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Everyone knows it's not with Mary Kate and Ashley. I'm just thinking about them because I was thinking about Mary Elizabeth Olsen from Old Boy with James Brolin and she and from WandaVision. And she was just at the Emmys wearing a dress from her sisters who are the twins from Full House with Lori Laughlin, who just bought a house after getting out of jail from Varsity Blues. All of that was just in my head just now. I swear to you. When people say to me, hey, what are you thinking about? Sometimes I answer and then they get upset. They ask and they say, wow, no wonder you don't sleep. So Kate is a action thriller. It's sort of like a John Wick movie is what I would say, except it's not nearly as good as John Wick. It doesn't have Keanu Reeves in it. And it's got Woody Harrelson, Woody from Cheers, What's the name of his character in Cheers? It wasn't Woody. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it's Woody Harrelson, who is an outstanding actor. You've seen his movies. White Men Can't Jump was just the beginning. Uh, He has turned into a. I would say he has turned into a caricature of himself, which means he's got this aura of gravitas. And um, it was Woody Boyd uh, in, in Cheers. Thank you. So is he now at the point in his career where he's like De Niro, where he's in a movie and he wears the gray goatee? I mean, he's been really good in a lot of movies. Don't get me wrong. And then all of a sudden we have to watch it and we say, hey, that's Woody Harrelson. I loved him in that uh, um, the TV show, Not True Romance, True Detective. He was there in a season. (laughs) By the way. No, different person. He was in True Detective and had a scene with the girl from White Lotus named Alexander de Gradrio, not Mary Elizabeth Olsen. All right, get back. Get us back on track. Kate, I was totally entertained. It's a, to- it's a movie about a woman who's dying and she's got to avenge her death before she dies. There's a little girl who she kidnaps because she killed the father of the little girl. And then all of a sudden the little girl becomes an ally and Woody Harrelson is her handler like Gabriel Byrne in point of no return with Bridget Fonda. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? By the way, let's shoot people. Let's do slow motion and watch the bullet go through. And then poof, we're Quentin Tarantino with blood. That's Kate. I'm Kate. I liked it. You should watch it. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers watches Shalene Woodley's movies with Shalene Woodley, like, do they sit down and watch the descendants? Oh my God. You were so young then Shalene. I wonder what, the, I wonder if they do that. And what else was she in like divergent? She wasn't hunger games. That was Jennifer Lawrence, but she's like this action main person. Otherwise known as Yoko Packer Packers fans were panicked, totally panicked. Packers played the lines. We had it as a pick of the day. Packers were given 11 and a half. You all got nervous. The Packers crushed the Lions. And all I kept thinking about was one play during the game. 
you remember when Dan Campbell was named the coach of the Detroit Lions, replacing the Bill Belichick uh, coaching tree descendant, Matt Patricia? And Dan Campbell took to the podium, and it was like three days of great content for us. I'm going to break kneecaps. If someone hurts us, we're going to hurt them more. They go for our knees. We're going to go for both knees. They go for our throat. We're going to go for their eyeballs. We're going to be tough as nails. That's all I care about. And I said, I got an idea, Danny boy. How about getting some wins? That would be good if you're a Detroit Lions coach, because then they can stop wearing the brown bags. Well, Dan Campbell season's off to a great start. They've got the donut. 0-2 with 15 to play. But what struck me last night, not watching the Manning Manning telecast, though I'm a fan of Manning Manning and McAfee, the 3M. Ha, get it? Post it, baby. 3M. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I just did. Having one of those shows, Coco, my brain is loopy. I worked out with the trainer this morning. I'm a runner. I don't work out with trainers. I don't do resistance training. I don't do weight training. I'm incredibly weak other than the fact that I can run forever. And I was working with bands and medicine balls and this and that. I got to tell you, I hope I don't have to go number two because I don't think my arms will get down that far right now. I can't even lift them right now. And it's just one, it's been one 45 minute session. So during the Lions Tigers game, oh my, there was a play where the defensive player for the Lions was called for a penalty, illegal hands to the face on a Packers wide receiver and illegal hands to the face in football is when, if you're not watching this on YouTube, please go to nothing personal with David Sampson and just see if you like my jacket and then hit subscribe, please. Thank you. So illegal hands to the face is when you put your hand up around the helmet area, under the face mask, over the face mask, to the neck, because God knows Roger Goodell has to protect the health of his players. That's his main goal. So the penalty flag comes out. There was no taunting, so it was only five yards. The guy's neck almost snapped. That's five yards. Don't spin the ball. That's 15. Don't cheer. 15. Spin of the neck, five. But then the announcer said, that's what Dan Campbell is all about. Let's be physical. We're going to get right up in our opponents and we're going to make sure that our presence is felt. And all I kept thinking was, if I'm the owner of the Detroit Lions and I haven't won squat, have they won a Super Bowl, Coke? I think they're one of the teams that haven't. I don't even remember the last time they were at the Super Bowl. Have they even ever been to a Super Bowl? I seriously can't remember the Detroit Lions. I mean, they had Barry Sanders. He was really, really, really good. Maybe the best ever. But did they ever go to a Super Bowl? Anyway, Coke is telling me in my ear, and he wants me to tell you all that the Browns, Lions, Texans, and Jags have zero appearances in the Super Bowl. So there you go. You just learned something. The Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, however, are very close. They're going to make it this year. They've got Trevor Lawrence. They are going to the Super Bowl. Not... So I was thinking as owner of the Lions, am I happy? Like the coach said, this is what we were going to do. And now we're doing it. So he's delivering on his promise, but it's an automatic first down. Why am I doing that? Why am I giving the offense the chance to score? I'm giving up 35 points and losing 35 to 17. Hmm. But we've got their kneecaps. That is not worth it in any way, shape, or form. Nothing personal pick of the day. We swept. 
We had a 16 team parlay. We invested 25 bucks. We made 726 grand because the Lions won the game yesterday. Congratulations to us. Way to go. 121 and 101, the Packers covered. The Yankees beat Texas. That shouldn't have been surprising to you. So we're back to 20 games over. So many great series right now. I'm going to watch a baseball game tonight. I'm going to watch the Blue Jays young pitcher, Manoa. He's good. Good. They're playing the Rays. It's a tough game. The Rays actually beat him. The Rays are maybe the best team in baseball. I know people are saying Dodgers, Giants, but Brewers don't sleep on the Rays. But there's something about Manoa. The Rays have not been playing well as late. Their offense has not been perfect as late the way it had been. They did win yesterday. But I'm taking the Rays. <laughs> Stop that. Ready? 6, 10, 69. So while their offense has not been great, they did win yesterday. But tonight, we're taking the Jays. And for all you Jays fans who are upset that the Jays only lose when we take them on nothing personal pick of the day, don't worry. Be happy. What do you think of Sal Perez? Do you know that catcher is who was signed to that huge contract by the Royals, that big extension catcher? Likes to play every day. He's caught like 120 games, DH for 30 games, plays every day. He did something yesterday that is not getting enough attention that fascinated me because every team in baseball is trying to do one thing. If you polled 30 executives and asked them the following question, what position is the hardest to develop and find and have as productive? So draft, develop, have play, and have be productive. What position? It will be a 30 to zero vote. What's your vote? Starting pitching. Nope. Right field. No. Shortstop. Negatory. Closer for sure. Setup guy. Those guys are tough to find. Nope. It's catcher. People spend their whole careers trying to find catchers. The number of good catchers is so small. The number of catchers who can hit and catch. Number of catchers who can defend and have a good arm and can manage to hit for average. Number of catches hit for power and can run a pitching staff. A full packaged catcher is almost like a unicorn. And when you get him, you hold him, right? When you get JT Ralamuda, you don't trade him. When you get Pudge Rodriguez, you don't let him go to the Tigers for four years and $40 million after you've won a World Series. Spent my career trying to find a new catcher after Pudge. Finally got JT, who we drafted, not as a catcher, by the way. Drafted him as an infielder and made him a catcher because we were like, hey, I think he can bend his knees. That's what we do in spring training. Everybody on three, bend your knees if you, and stay. Okay, stay. I'm going to count to 1,000. Okay, now stand up. Now bend again. I'm going to count to 1,000. Anyone who can do that, go catch. Go put on a mask. Can you see the ball? All right, I'm going to give you a glove. Can you catch the ball? We're going to try here. That's what you do. Oh, you're going to hit 204, but you're going to be a good defensive catcher. You're going to have a long career. Salvador Perez broke a record, an all-time record yesterday. And I didn't listen, but Twitter said, and I don't know if this is true. So I'm, I'm, I could be spreading totally malicious rumors that the broadcasters for the Royals did not immediately mention the fact that Salvador Perez broke the all-time record for home runs by a catcher in a season when the ball was supposed to be deadened. Remember all that? 
by the way, I don't know if I'm going to win that way to see where I said the number of home runs in 21 will be down from the 19, not from 20 because 20 was a 60 game season. I have not checked the stats on whether or not both the rate of home runs is down and the number of home runs are down. Cause it seems to me that a lot of people are hitting a lot of home runs. I wonder if baseball didn't deaden the ball. Hmm. I wonder if baseball did deaden the ball, but then got rid of the foreign substances. And now the balls aren't moving the way they used to move. Ooh, I didn't account for that in the way to see if they cracked down. Mm. Anyway, Salvador Perez broke the record. He had his 46th home run. He broke the record held by Johnny frickin' Bench. Johnny Bench. For the Reds, the rule is if you're a primary catcher catching 75% of your team's games, you can break the record. Perez broke the record. Perez has a chance to break the all-time franchise record for home runs. This guy's a catcher who plays every day. Please tip your cap to Salvador Perez. Okay, I want to get to something here on uh, coaches and what they say and why they say it. David Culley is that new coach for the Houston team. The Houston Texans were the Houston Texans, Houston Texans. After a game, when we go to see the manager, we talk about the game. Hey, you were supposed to do this. You didn't do that. Why did you make that move when we told you don't make that move, but you made that move? Hey, we didn't tell you what to do in that situation, but now we see what you did and we're looking at it with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. What the hell are you doing? I would never do that. Owners do that. I don't do that. Team presidents and GMs walk into the manager's office and says, that was a great result, but let's talk about the reason that you made the move you made. I don't understand. Explain your thought process because the way to evaluate a manager in the small sample size of decisions that a manager actually makes is to understand why they make the decision and not be results oriented. Now, that's funny for me to say as a consequentialist, but when I am evaluating people, I need to understand what makes them do what they do so I can be a better predictor of what they're going to do going forward. So you have to learn why they think the way they think. When a manager would do something wrong, we would tell that manager that it's going to come up in the, we'd meet him right after the game crack open a beer and talk about the fact that they're about to meet the media. And here's the three questions that are going to come up and make sure you address them the following way. So we're always in there before the manager meets the media. I'm not a huge fan of admitting a mistake that is made by a manager where the result was bad. I would rather answer with why the decision was made. The Houston Texans had a situation where He was asked about why he punted on fourth and two. And instead of explaining what he did alone, he actually, in a very interesting quote, acknowledged that if he had to do it all over again, he would have taken the penalty. The situation was there was a penalty that would have allowed for a a third down. Instead, he took the The result of the play was fourth and two, and he just punted where he could have had a chance to get a first down because if it's third down and a lot, you could still get a first down, fourth down and a little, you could go for it. And I'm okay if you don't make it, you went for it. But 
fourth down and two, and then you punt? What's the reason? And he said, I made the decision out of frustration. Quote, I was a little frustrated at that time because I was thinking field position. I didn't want to do anything that hurt us. That decision was just out of frustration on my part because of the series we were having at that time. But if I had to do it over again, I would have taken the penalty and given our offense a chance to get the first down, which is what I should have done. Hmm. How do you think the GM of the Texans feels about that answer? Let's not even talk about the owner. What about you as fans? Are you fine when your coach makes a mistake? Do you criticize the mistake? Are you criticizing the result? Are you cheering the results? Are you cheering the thought process? What worries me most about the situation with this first-time coach? Not that he admitted his mistake, because we can fix that from a PR standpoint. No problem. What concerns me far more is that he allowed recency bias and internal frustration to indicate to him what he was going to do next. I want my coaches to understand game situation, have game awareness, situational awareness, field awareness, down and distance awareness, but all under the tent of winning a game. Coaches who feel frustrated about a situation and that changes their decision-making process will have a very hard time, very hard time being successful. Because as I've mentioned, when you are emotional, you can't be good at what you do. When you are upset and frustrated, you can't make a decision. It's the damn 30-minute rule. Don't make a decision 30 minutes after a win or after a loss because your mind is clouded. Don't make a decision when you're grumpy because your mind is clouded. Make decisions when you are clear. They may not be right still, but the process will be right. What David Cully is telling you is that his process changes according to how he is doing at that particular moment. Now, you may wonder, as we're preparing for the show, if you're like Coca, then why do they meet the media so close after the game? Well, they don't. There's a 10-minute cool down. That's enough time for the managers to get in with the staff, with the GM, with the president, with the PR guy, get the thoughts together before they meet the media. When you're doing in-game coaching decisions, you don't have that benefit unless you call a timeout and can take 30 seconds, but you don't have it. It's moving. It's moving quickly. What do people say when you want to be a professional athlete or a good coach and you want to be really good at it? You've got to slow the game down. Some people say, God, the game was going so fast. I couldn't keep up. The superstars, when they're driving down the field, can slow the game down and see the passing lanes, see the plays develop. David Culley, could not slow the game down and it cost him. It'll be a learning process. Don't worry. And no, David, you know, it's just business. Relax. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com